So when was the last time you felt confused and disoriented? Like uh, what used to work for you doesn't work. What used to seem solid now seems flimsy. Maybe it was your job. Maybe it's at work where you felt like you were hitting your stride and things were sort of going well. And now it feels like it's limping along. Or maybe it's a relationship where once you felt close and you had this jivey connection and now it's distant and there's this unspoken tension that you just can't cut through. Maybe spiritually, you felt close to God, you experienced His presence, you experienced God's love, and now God seems like a distant cousin that you've fallen out of touch with. Most of us find ourselves in places of disorientation at times. And today we're exploring Psalms 63, which kind of acts as this prayer when we are disoriented and overwhelmed with the messy, painful stuff of life. And so we find a poetic picture that the Bible uses in these seasons of disorientation and overwhelm. And this poetic picture is called wilderness. The wilderness, the desert. This is where nothing you planned for actually happens. And the things that you didn't plan for happen. It's not a given in the wilderness that you'll find water. It's not a given you'll find food or good shelter. It's not even a given that you'll stay warm at night or that you'll stay cool in the, in the day. It's uncomfortable. It's unpredictable. And everything in the wilderness feels like a slog. Nothing comes easy. And what once felt like abundance in the wilderness, it just isn't enough. There's not enough of what you need or want, or there's too much of what you don't want. Are you tracking? Does this seem familiar to you? Are you in a wilderness right now? Raise your hand. I would say I'm actually coming out of a very wildernessy wilderness in my life. And I think for all of us, we're either coming out of or we're going in or we're in the middle of a wilderness. And I want to say that Psalm 63 is your roadmap through the wilderness. The psalm opens with this desert scene in the dry Middle East. And the psalmist who is said to be King David, who was the second king of Israel, is giving a story like all good songs. They tell a story. This one is telling the story of his body, thirst and hunger and sleep and of his soul, like anxiety, fear, desires, longings, hopes, poetically sketched in these mental pictures that are coming to him while he's in the wilderness. So I think if you're in the wilderness right now, this psalm can grab your hand and be a guide and take you through. Are you ready? The story opens in verse 1 with David talking directly to God. He's addressing God by God's name. Did you know that God has a name? English translators here in the passage, they call God, God. But uh, God is such a kind of nebulous term these days. It can mean anything. It can be a catch-all for any idea. So when you think God, you could think Monty Python, God coming out of the clouds. You could think other religions and the gods. You could think Star Wars, of course. May the force be with you. Like for David, he's addressing God by his Hebrew name, which is Yahweh. 
Uh, and Yahweh means to be, right? To be or not to be. That's the question. And David is addressing God not as a nameless universe. He's addressing God not as a source or force, but the very ground of being itself, existence. God is the ultimate. He's saying, God, you, God, are my ground of being. You are my existence. I exist because you exist. I heard a a Christian writer recently, I read a Christian writer who said, if God stopped loving us at any given moment, we we would cease to exist. If God stopped loving us, we would cease to exist. David somehow seems to know this in this passage. And he's not just content to know it intellectually. He's knowing it with his body. The passage goes on and says, with my whole being, I know this. Like, like one who is walking through a desert, dehydrated, looking for water. You know, when we stroll through the wilderness, we don't do it with earbuds in. <laughs> we don't do it singing. We usually do it desperately searching for water, for food, for something to sustain us. And David is saying, in the wilderness, I'm seeking for God, for something to calm this anxiety, to quench this thirst in my soul. And so for David, he's naming that this deeper thirst is for God himself. In verse 2, the passage goes on and we see that David has a vision of God in three places, in the temple, in the table, and tossing and turning in his bed. Now, that's some preaching magic, if you ask me. Look at the alliteration. Temple, table, tossing and turning. Huh? Okay. So what what do we do is we do a bit of a survey. I want you to pay attention in this passage to how sensual it is. Not sexual, but sensual. How many times David is making reference to the five senses? Taste, hearing, touch, sight, smell. Smell. Why did I point to my ear? Smell. That's not where we smell. So see if you can identify these senses as we go along. So in verse 2, we see that David says, I have seen you. I have seen you in the temple. Now, where is he? He's not in the temple. He's in the desert. And presumably, he's writing this from the desert, and he's having a vision, and he's imagining that he's in the temple worshiping God, and he can see God. He's visualizing himself, seeing the presence of God, and experiencing this love that is better than life. I wish you had a year, and I wish we had a year to just park and meditate on this phrase. Your love is better than life. I think if we meditated on this for a year, it would literally change how we see the wilderness. In the wilderness, everything is stripped away. Everything falls away. In the wilderness, the things that we thought would satisfy us, they don't. The money that we thought would make us happy, it doesn't. The relationships that we thought would bring us joy and contentment and make us feel better about ourselves, they don't so much. In the wilderness... The things that we thought would make us happy don't. The wilderness exposes what is truest about life and about us, that we are not our money, we are not our Instagram likes, we are not our friends, we are not our stuff, we are not our skills, we are not our work, we are not our education, we are not our reputation, and we're not even our family. All of that will one day just go away 
And the wilderness tells us this. It, it exposes what's most true. And all that we will be left with is the reality that God loves us. That's it. And David is saying, in the wilderness, that is all we have. <laughs> and actually, what we crave more than anything else is that. We just don't know it yet. In the wilderness, the greatest thirst that we have is for God, whether we know it or not. So overwhelmed, anxious, weary in the wilderness, money, pleasure, comfort, success, achievement, accolades, they mean so little in the wilderness. And the stuff that we try to run after and accumulate in this life in the wilderness, it means little. In the wilderness, we get to see life as it really is. And David is saying it's God's love that sustains and satisfies better than anything else that will sustain and satisfy in this life. Your love is better than life. Everything else leaves you thirsty. This, this is the gift of the wilderness because it shows us what is most real and what is actually most satisfying to our souls. In the wilderness, our greatest thirst is for God, whether we know it or not. And so the question is, how do we actually experience God's love that satisfies us better than life? David moves on from the temple and he goes to the table. And notice again the senses that he's highlighting. He says, I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. And you can see that he's, he's looking to God's love to satisfy him like a good meal satisfies you and me. You ever try to be quiet eating like an amazingly delicious meal? I, I've tried this before and I cannot do it. I am not capable of being quiet and eating. I'm like, can you taste this? This is amazing. Like all oh, the flavors are just popping in my mouth and I can't shut up about it because it's so good. And this is what David is doing. He's, he's saying with each bite, I cannot stop <laughs> talking about it. I can't stop singing. And yet, where is he? He's at the bottom of some rocky, dry, hot canyon in the middle of the desert, 20 kilometers you know, east of Jerusalem. And he's in the wilderness and he's feasting on the presence of God, on this God who has a name, on this God who loves him, whose love is better than life. And I want you to notice something about a good meal. When you are completely smitten by a good meal, the taste of the good food, where are you? When you're eating a great meal, are you like daydreaming? Are you, are you in the future doing a work back on how you can like top up your RSP after a downturn in the economy? Are, are you in the past revisiting a mistake and wishing for a do-over? No, when you're eating a good meal and it's so amazing, you're like right there, like eating the meal, enjoying it. You're raptured by the taste of the food. And when we are present to God as David was present, intentionally present, feasting on God's presence to him. This is what sustains us in the wilderness. In the wilderness, the best way through is to be intentionally present to God being present to you and feasting on that presence. And the question is, how do we experience this feast of God's presence while we're in the wilderness? 
from temple to table to tossing and turning. So in verse 6 to 8, um, he's in bed tossing and turning. How well do you sleep in the wilderness? I know when I'm in the wilderness, I sleep like crap. I cannot sleep very well. And in the ancient world, and you look at the text, it says the watches of the night. And there's three watches. There's the sunset to 10 p.m., 10 p.m. to 2, p- 2 a.m., 2 a.m. to sunrise. And when you are watching, you're watching through the night. Somebody's posted to watch for robbers and wild beasts or attacking armies. And David is in the watches of the night, but he's in his bed, which I actually don't recommend. If you're going to do the watches from bed, it doesn't tend to work out so well. But he's in bed and he's up during the watches. And what's he doing? He's tossing and turning. He's afraid and he's anxious. When I am awake in the wilderness at 3 a.m., I go to the past and I go rummage about and the things that I can't change back there. Or I go into the uncertain future and I start worrying about what could go wrong. And I'm plotting how to, how to escape the wilderness. But what does David do? He doesn't go back. He remembers. It says he remembers. God, who has a name, is the ground of his being. And he's coming back to the present, to the God who is where with him to what is most solid, to what sustains and satisfies the longings and the thirst of his soul. In the wilderness, the only place we find true rest is in the present with God. There's there's only one place that we can find God. There's only one place. It's It's not necessarily in church, although we can. When we are in the wilderness... Our experience of God can only be found right here, right now. Neuroscientists tell us that our brain records the present moment as 4.4 seconds. And the Christian uh, philosopher named Ivan Illich, he was talking about our culture's obsession with not the present, with the future, and getting to the future, and controlling for the future, and worrying about the future, and planning obsessively for the future, which leads to so much anxiety. And so he said, the future as an idol, and we could also say the past, the future as an idol devours the only moment in which heaven can happen upon us, the present. When it comes to anxiety and being overwhelmed, Modern neuroscientists, they tell us what David already knew. The only way that we navigate the overwhelm and the anxiety is to become present to ourselves in a deep way. How? The neuroscientists tell us that brain research says that we do this by becoming intently aware of our five senses. And here we find it in the passage. The Bible is spiritually and theologically and psychologically brilliant. And it's often ahead of its time. And you see this in the passage. Sight. David says, I've seen you in the temple. Smell. He says, I will be fully satisfied with the riches of foods. Taste. I thirst for you. And those rich foods that he's tasting. Touch. He says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Sound, I praise you as long as I live. He's hearing himself singing in the shadow of God's wings. 
I had a nervous breakdown in my mid-30s, and I was living with panic attacks and anxiety, and I would wake up at 3 a.m. anxious, like I was being chased by a bear. I was, and I was taught in that time to focus on my five senses. So I would ask Amy when I'm having a panic attack to like touch my leg, my wife. Um, I would go stand in bare feet on a cold floor. I would go smell fresh ground coffee. I would stare at a picture of a mountain and like notice all of the details. I would, I would listen to a song that has meaning to me. And last but not least, I would drink, I would drink water. And the more I came to my senses in the present and became aware of what I was feeling, the more I would regulate my anxiety and it would eventually and thankfully pass. If the only place that we can find God is in the present, that God's presence is experienced by us in the present, then I want to invite us today into the thick presence of God through your five senses. And as you wait and as you walk through the wilderness, you will find that God is more present to you, that he is a feast to you, that he is a uh, eternal water to your thirsty soul for you as you walk through the wilderness. So be as present in this exercise that we're about to do as you can be for the 4.4 seconds that is this moment. And I invite you to sit up, put your feet on the ground, maybe take your shoes off. Neuroscience tells us that we become more aware when our shoes are off. And I invite you to take a deep breath and to fill your lungs and exhale. You know that in the scriptures, the word to describe the Holy Spirit is called wind, pneuma, or breath. So fill your lungs with the peaceful presence of the Holy Spirit and exhale out your worries. Fill your lungs with the peaceful presence of the Spirit and exhale out anxiety. And as we do this exercise, your mind is going to wonder. You're going to go to the past. What did I have for dinner yesterday? Oh, I got to call that person. Are you going to go to the future? Oh, I need to do that thing. Oh, there's that. Oh, uh, and you're going to go forward and just gently bring your mind and your thoughts back to the presence, to the presence of God in the present and to yourself. And I want to invite us to start this with sight. And and. There's five senses, but we're going to start with sight. In the scriptures, the Bible itself says that the other book of God is nature. And heavens, they declare the glory of God. And I want to invite yourself as we're watching this scene to intensely look at the nature scenes and to notice the details, to allow yourself to come to the presence and to see it as the sanctuary of God, the fingerprints of God, He is all around you. He is surrounding you. And to stay present and notice and allow it to lead you to experience the presence of God. And then I will nudge you to the next one.
All right, kind of come back to the present. And we're going to do smell. David said in the passage, I will be satisfied as the riches of food. And um, if you're with us today, we brought you some honey. <laughs> There's a pack of honey near you. And we invite you to take it and uh, start to open it. And you might have to use scissors or your teeth uh, to get it open. If you're watching online, pause this and go find some honey or chocolate or something decadently amazing that has an aroma to it and a taste. So I would like you to take this honey and I would like you to smell it. And you may have to like squeeze it up towards the top a little bit. I'd like you to close your eyes and to stay with it. And I'd like you to breathe in this aroma. And as you breathe it in, can it act as God's presence, soothing and satisfying the cravings of your thirsty soul? And to sit with this and allow the sweetness of that smell to just savor it and stay with it. May we rest in the aroma of God. All right, now to come back. And now we're gonna do taste. And I invite you to close your eyes and taste the honey, but not too quickly. Don't consume it, savor it. Let it linger on your tongue. Hold it there. Uh, Psalms 34 says, taste and see, two senses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you allow this rich taste to expand in your mouth, to remind you that God is present to you, that he cares for you, and that he leaves a lasting taste? Everything else in our world leaves our soul hungry and thirsty for more. May this taste of God remind you that he satisfies.
All right, come back and we're gonna do touch. So David says that God's strong hands uphold him as he clings to God who has a name. So I invite you to take your hands and just hold your arms as we do this. Not only does God have a name, but God has a face. And we believe that the the face of God is Jesus. God looks like Jesus. And I invite you to be present to your body by putting your hands on your heart. Or if you want to feel your pulse on your temples. So hand on your heart to feel your heartbeat, to feel your pulse on your temples. Or if you're feeling anxiety right now, could, to, could you place your hand on where you feel the anxiety in your body? And then I invite you to close your eyes and to picture Jesus putting his hand on your hand, his skin on your skin, and imagine that he is so thickly present surrounding you with his presence, holding you as you go through the wilderness. May we hold ourselves and be held in the presence of God. And as we come back for our last one, David said, I will sing in the shadow of your wings. We're going to listen to rain. And each drop of this rain is a song in itself. Can you linger? Can you slow down time and linger in this rain and allow the presence of God in the rain to whisper reassurance to you in the dry wilderness? That rain is coming. The rain is coming. May we rest in the sound of God's presence.
So as you come back and as we wind down, you know, Psalms is, this Psalm is a roadmap in the wilderness. It's, it's an invitation to be present to your fears, your anxieties, your body, your situation that you're in. And if you, if you want to get out of the wilderness, the only way to get out is to go through the wilderness. And the interpretive key to this map is the presence of God who has a name, who tells us that we are alive, whose face looks like Jesus, whose love is better than life, who satisfies our deepest thirsts and hunger in, in a way that nothing else can. And the wilderness map is leading you to God. Can you be here now in the wilderness? Can you allow the wilderness to make you aware that what you really need, what you really want, you already have? What you really need, what you really want, you already have it thickly in God's presence for you right here. We're going to sing a song as we end today. It's the song that we started out with. It's, it's a song that talks about how we go into the future and we chase our worries and we try to capture the next horizon or we go into the past and we try to flee our sorrows. But it says, what you give me is now. What you give me is here. It says, take my burdens and my tomorrows and I want my feet to be where they are. Listen to my heartbeat. Breathe life around me. The ground below me is how you hold me. Let's engage in this moment together. And in the presence of Christ, may, may we know that we are not alone in the wilderness. May the wilderness do what only the wilderness can do. May it lead us back to God himself.